0: let's pray together father we thank you for this wonderful music that we have heard today but now we come to the important part of this worship hour and that's the preaching of your word and I pray oh God that we'll forget about the things that are outside today the things that we're thinking about doing this afternoon that father we will focus our attention upon you because Lord as the song says we are prone to wonder We are prone to just forget about you and live our lives how it pleases us. Let us now focus the next few minutes on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I said last week I was gonna be myself, so I am. I am more comfortable down here. um, And if I had my way, I would literally take this pulpit, go to the very back of this church, have all of you turn around, and I'd have the ones that I need to have up front up front. You get that? The only problem with that is the balcony would be shut out because they couldn't see me. I've always wanted to do that once, and I actually did in the youth department once, so it was pretty cool. When you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. I'll get there in just a minute. But last week, I remember I said to you that I don't know about you, but every time I come to church, or to serve in the church, or to worship in the church, that I am here to please an audience of... One. Thank you. At least somebody listened last week. Good. And that audience of one is Jesus Christ. Reminders. We need them. We need them in our lives every day and usually several times throughout the day. That is why advertisers saturate us with them. Because they know that we're going to forget. We have to remind our children that they need to Uh, what they need to do over and over and over again. And we always ask ourselves to our, you know, as parents, are they listening to me? Because we have to remind them all the time. Teachers have to remind their students over and over again on subjects such as reading, writing, and arithmetic. And they say to themselves, am I a good teacher? Because none of these students seem to be getting it. Bosses every day are constantly reminding their employees of what they should or should should not do. And the church is not excluded either. Pastors all over the world are second-guessing themselves by saying, why aren't these people listening and doing what I'm asking them to do? Pastors get discouraged and they quit, thinking if they would just go somewhere else, those people would listen to me and do what I'm asking them to do and so they quit and they go to another church and they find out that those people are not listening to them either what a shock it is a constant struggle throughout our lives that we need to be reminded of things that we've already heard and we've heard them over and over and over again well today and for the next few weeks I am going to give you some reminders now don't shut me out by saying well I've heard all this before because my answer to you was going to be this well if you've heard it all before why aren't you doing anything with it you should be at Matthew chapter 28 very familiar passage of Scripture beginning in verse number 16 now the eleven disciples went out to Galilee to the mountains into which Jesus had directed them And when they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As most of you well know, this is the Great Commission. And this morning, I want to break it down for you, or as uh, some of the modern-day uh, pastors say, they want to um, uh, uh, unpack it for you. And so that's what I want to do this morning. And so if you look in verse number 16, it says, now the 11 went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed him. Judas Iscariot is now gone. If you remember, he had committed suicide after betraying Jesus. We see that in Matthew 27 and verse 5. The original 12 disciples are now down to 11. The mountain, as is where Jesus had, uh, had told them to go to, was the mountain that he was going to ascend up to heaven. And so it was this, this mountain that Jesus had directed them to, called, it's now as we now call it, the Mount of Ascension. It was here that Jesus gave his one last command, Or as some preachers have said, his last will and testament. Jesus had presented himself alive to many people over the 40 days that he had been on the earth after his resurrection. I believe that this is the mountain that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse number 6 where it says, He was seen of over 500 brethren at once. I believe it took place right here. He also knew at this moment in time what was going to happen just a few minutes from now. And then if you look down in verse number 17, you'll see that they, you see, something interesting that I thought was interesting. And it says, and when they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, this should not be taken as implying that some ultimately refused to believe in Jesus. But rather like Thomas in John chapter 20, it just took them a little longer for them to accept the reality that Jesus had risen from the dead. Because you remember throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he constantly was telling not just his disciples, but others, he he would tell them, oh, you of little faith. Again, a constant reminder. Then we see in verse number 17 that it says, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pastor Summers, on August 11, 2013, just weeks before he retired, his message was on the Great Commission. And he said these words, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth what if jesus had taken the deal that satan had offered him back in matthew chapter 4 he would not have had the authority that he has now but by his suffering his suffering obedience to the death on the cross he received more than satan could ever have offered him jesus now has authority over all the earth and heaven he has authority of all nations we see in verses 19 and of all things verse 20 he has divine authority that means whatever God can do Jesus can do he has authority over all men all women both good and bad he has authority over the minds of men Where in Philippians 2.13 says, He works in them both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. He is the captain of the heavenly host. And they move at his command. He has authority to raise armies and to destroy them. He has authority to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He has authority to put up and to put down anybody. He has the authority to confound both the wise and the foolish. He has the authority to bring all things to our memory. I wish he'd do some of that a little bit more. He has the authority to put our minds and words in our mouth. He has the authority to give courage to the fearful, strength to the weak, and comfort to the afflicted. Jesus has the authority over the kings and thrones and yes, even presidents. Proverbs 21.1 says, the, king's hand, the heart is in the hands of the Lord. He can bless and he can curse. He has the authority in all the church. He has the authority over the ungodly. He has the authority to call sinners to repentance. He can cause the prodigal to come to themselves. He can find the lost and save them. He has the authority to bring the ungodly to their knees and cause them to fall on their face in repentance and cry out for their need for him. He has authority over hell. Satan himself can only do what God has given him permission to do by Jesus Christ. He can break the bondage of sin in your life. He has the authority over demonic powers and he sets the captives free. He has authority over land and sea. He guides the decisions of thrones and kingdoms. He dictates to the dictator. He commands to the commanders. He legislates to the legislators. Pastor Summers was brilliant. He governs to the governors. He rules and overrules the House of Congress. And yes, he reigns supreme over the Supreme Court. Jesus has all authority. And I want you to understand that this morning because we have a tendency to forget that. We want to do things ourselves, but Jesus has the authority. Matthew 28, we know this verse of Scripture. We've heard it many, many times where it says, Go, uh, go, in the na- wait, go and therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He used to say that this is not the great suggestion This is the great commission. And a commission, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is one having been given authority to perform a task, a group of people charged with a particular task, a duty, or a command. And I want to break that down for you this morning. Look at our first duty or command that we have to do. And that is the word go. Go. If you have been in church at any time and you've heard this message, you understand that this is an action word. It is the lifeblood of the church. We are to preach and we are to evangelize the lost. But how does this happen? Well, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And any attempt to evangelize apart from the preaching of the Word of God, let me tell you, folks, it's illegitimate. And what is going to happen is it's going to ultimately lead to disaster. It's by the preaching of the Word. And remember, these are the tasks that we as a church have been given. So I know some of you are saying, aha, I got you, Pastor. It's by preaching. Yes, it is, but look at that very carefully, and it says this, that preaching is God speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit about his son and his word through you. Preaching is wherever you are at, telling somebody else about the love of Christ. Preaching is where you're at when somebody comes up to you and says, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. You had better be able to be able to take your Bible or you just memorize it and show them how they can be saved. Most of you would you say, if somebody came up to you, well, how in the world can I be saved? You say, hold on a minute. Let me call the pastor up. The command is not for the pastor. The command is for all of us, including you. You've heard this over and over and over again. And we've heard, and when you heard this word, go, it means as you are going. But I need to take that just a little bit farther because it's a little bit more in-depth than that. What the literal meaning is, you need to move out. You need to get moving. And you need to seek ways to make contact with other people. I'm going to show my age here. I told you what it was last week and I thank you for your kind words that you didn't think I was that old. They're, they're still on reruns. But if you've ever seen Gomer Pyle, USMC. Check it out on the Me network. Gomer Pyle, he's a big doofus. And it makes the arm I mean makes the Marines look really really bad. But when, uh, throughout the whole thing, he does things very well. He just he doesn't get it. But there was a, his sergeant, Sergeant Carter. You all know who Sergeant Carter is if you've ever seen Gomer Pyle. And he's constantly getting in Gomer Pyle's face and saying, move it, move it, move it. Right? What he's telling Gomer Pyle is, man, get up and let's get moving. And he's telling him constantly, move it, move it, move it. Jesus is telling us the same thing here. He's telling us to move it, move it, move it. I want to thank you all right now for doing what most of us do with that command we sit. We sit. We pull out our phones. We let somebody else do it. We want somebody else to do it. We want the TV to do it. We want the radio to do it. We we when we go up to talk to somebody, we're scared to talk to them about Christ. Now, listen, I'm the same way. I'm preaching this to me, folks. Let me tell you. I'm the same way. I get scared. And all of a sudden, we all of a sudden something kicks in. We that Church is mentioned, God is mentioned, something is mentioned, and they say, I'm a Christian. And inside you go, whew, I don't have to talk to them about Christ. Hmm, that's our response. And yet we're supposed to be moving and we sit here and we do nothing. We need to get, quit loafing, we need to get up and we need to start moving now. So I ask you this question and you ask it personally i've asked it personally all week am i being obedient if we're all honest including me the answer is going to be no i can do better i know you can do better and we all should do better not only are we commanded to go but we're commanded to make disciples we are to win them to christ and then we are to teach them about Jesus. Now remember, this is your job. We are to teach them about Jesus, but in order to teach others about Jesus, you must know about Jesus yourself. How do you learn? Well, you learn by reading his word. You learn by being in Sunday school. You learn by being in church and listening when the pastor is preaching. You don't shut him off when he said, oh, I've heard that before. I've been in church my entire life. I've heard thousands of pastors say the same message. In fact, one of my homiletics classes, we had 36 people in my, homiletic, my homiletics class in college. 36 people. The professor gave us one verse, John 3.16. Every one of us knew John 3.16. And he said, one instruction, you're all going to get up and you're going to preach a five-minute message. That was all he said. Thirty-six of us got up and preached a five-minute message. You heard John 3, 16, 36 different ways. Because the Holy Spirit directed us differently. When I'm up here preaching, when Pastor Andrew's up here preaching, when Pastor Summer's up here preaching, when Johan's up here preaching, you guys are going to hear things differently and you're going to get something different out of the message and maybe somebody over here. Because the Holy Spirit's directing you differently at that moment. But we need to know more about Jesus. We need to do it. All of us need to do it. We need to know more about the Bible. I remember our verse last year for our church, 2 Timothy 2.15. It's for all of us to study and to rightly handle, or in other words, correctly able to explain to others the Word of God. That ought to be our desire, is to be able to share what the Word of God has to everybody. Be a witness for Christ. Start by simply inviting them to church. Bring them in so they'll hear the word of God and not just for a show. Let Christ convict them of their sins and see their need for a savior. Invite someone to one of our many activity opportunities. Today, you have a great one. Just go out back, pick up a bunch of these cards and give them out to somebody. And then they'll say, what is this for? They'll say, oh, our church is doing it. What a great way to start a conversation. Just like wearing the, the shirt. I wear our shirt, our Northwest uh, Church shirt, and I'll go into Sam's Club. And inevitably, somebody will say, I knew you were something different about you. I knew you had to be a, some sort of churchgoer, is what they would tell me. Just because I walk in there at 7 o'clock and I have just this wonderful attitude. I just go in, I'm feeling really good. What they don't know is I got up at 5.30 so that I would have that really good attitude at 7 o'clock. It takes me a while to wake up. I'm telling you right now. And so there's opportunities out there. And you've got to listen. You've got to have a hearing ear. You've got to be able to, when somebody is saying something, to jump in on that conversation. It's not going to happen all the time, but you've got to be aware of those opportunities when they do happen. So start simple. And once they are saved, then it's time to begin teaching them about Jesus the next thing that we are commanded to do is to baptize them that doesn't mean you baptize them the pastors of the church baptize you get in there and one of the things that I've started is those that have had an impact on that person's salvation I want them up there and and baptizing them uh, when I'm baptizing them they had a vital part in bringing them to Christ I want that and I want you to be able to Teach them about Jesus. So baptize means just that, to baptize. Baptism is like marriage. It's a public ceremony. It publicly formalizes the covenant between you and Christ. It declares your loyalty to Christ. In fact, it is your first act of obedience of following Christ. That's what I tell every single person. And left undone, it shows your act of denial to Christ. I believe that immersion is the biblical way. And that that method is the method that we observe here at Northwest Baptist Church. Because that word baptized in the Greek is baptizo, and that means to dip under or immerse. You remember when Jesus was baptized, it says he came up out of the water to be baptized. So once you're saved, you're baptized, you learn about Jesus, and then here is where it gets good. The final thing that we are to do is we are, it says, teach them. And what that is, is in-depth teaching or as Pastor Summer said, catechizing them. It's the in-depth teaching. It's for you to become, as it were, a mentor to them. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We are not just to teach abstract ideas. We are to teach all that is observed that Jesus has commanded us in His Word. It is not complete. The making of the disciples is not complete until it leads them and you to a life of observing all of Jesus' commandments. I don't know about you, I know it's going to take my entire life to learn. I try to learn something every time I'm in church or I hear somebody else preach. I am constantly wanting to learn more and more and more because I don't know everything that's in the Word of God and neither do you. I'm constantly learning, constantly struggling. Listen, there are times I get and read the Bible and I get up and my eyes just want to shut and I'll say, I'll go to bed praying. And I'll start to pray when I'm in bed, and the next thing I know, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, what happened? Did I say amen? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. God, you know those mumblings? That's what it was. I don't know what I was praying, but we've all done it, haven't we? We've all done it. We've all been there. And we are to make the disciples. This is more than the milk of the word, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2 and Hebrews 5, 12. We are to teach our new converts the entire Bible at this point. Remember, the first part making disciples is teaching them about Jesus. Now we are going to teach them about the entire Bible. The entire Bible. We are to teach theology. We are to teach doctrine. We are to teach uh, apologetics, morals, ethics, hermeneutics, how to treat one's mate, how to rear one's family, how to pray, how to think. We are to do all of this. This is at this point. And if you notice, this is very time-consuming. But it is here that we mentor the convert. One of the great things that I love and I enjoy I've taken a year break uh, this year, but and that is mentoring our students at NCA. I love that because it gets me one-on-one with this group of individuals that I can talk to and I can give them the knowledge that I have, and it is awesome when I see the light go on in their brain and they start asking all these questions that I'm able to mentor them. And that's the same thing you ought to have with somebody of your that's around you that you are able to mentor. Find somebody that you can mentor and get together with them. If nothing else, just have a Bible study with them and learn together. This is a lifetime of learning. And the more that Christians learn, the more they, they know that there is a lot more learn. But then we see the wonderful promise that Jesus has left for us. And that is the promise of never being alone. Verse 20 tells us, I am with you always to the end of the age. At Christmas time, we always read Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 23, where the Bible says that Christ was to be named Emmanuel. You all now know what that means, right? God with us. Jesus as his birth was to be named Emmanuel, God with us. Well now, we see Jesus as the risen savior telling us that I am now with you always. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We sometimes forget that. Jesus said, I will never, ever leave you. I am always with you. Matthew 18, 20 tells us, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. In other words, when you go out and you you have an opportunity of witnessing to somebody and telling them about the greatness of, of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, When you're telling somebody that, there's two people there, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is right there with you. When you begin to witness, I cannot explain it, but when you begin to witness to somebody else, you can sense the power of the Holy Spirit right there with you. He gives you the courage that you need. He he gives you the, you, you say, well, I don't know what to say. He'll give that to you. I can't explain it. There are times I'm like, how in the world am I going to approach this person? What am I going to say? And Jesus just tells us to start. Start the conversation. Take the necessary step. I'll guide you along the way. Because he will remove any of the fears that you have. He will take away. the, the, The fears that you have to be a witness for him. This passage in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, actually 16 through 20. And if you correspond this, it goes right into Acts chapter 1. You see, we read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we go to Acts, correct? We read it in order. But you can take this, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and go right to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And if you want to look at it, look at it. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Go therefore, because we're now getting the promise of success here. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you at salvation. And you will be my witnesses in in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and at the end of the earth. Jesus is telling you to do those four things in Matthew, going right here. How in the world am I going to do that? Because I'm going to give you the power to do it. I have the authority in heaven and on earth, and I'm going to give you the power that you need to do what you need to do to be my witnesses on earth. The Holy Spirit does not dwell in some special believers. The Holy Spirit dwells in all believers. Our command from our commanding officer is to be witnesses, to go, to teach them about Jesus, to baptize them, to mentor them, so that they, in turn, one day can go and do likewise. Jesus said in Matthew, 20, or Matthew 9, 37 and 38, when he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then we see in John 4, 35, do not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. One of the problems that we have in society is we really don't know how to witness. I would like to change that. I would like to have a class where I can teach you how to witness, how to be a witness. And I don't care if you are a child, Or if you are 100 years old in here, you can still be a witness. If you are breathing, you still have a purpose for the kingdom of God. I hope you understand that. Because I hear all these things, well, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't, I can't, I'm tired of hearing I can't. Cut that word out of your dictionary, can't, just cut it out. And say, I can, I will. I'll do whatever I need to do. The harvest is ready, but we need laborers. Jesus' disciples were who urged, or literally Jesus was begging them at this point to pray earnestly that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. Because there are so many that are ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a prayer that is as urgent today as it was when Jesus told it to his disciples. Everyone must be witnesses in some way. This church, the church, must get better at this command to be witnesses. We've got to do a better job at being obedient. The world needs Jesus more than ever. And What are we doing? We're keeping him to ourselves. We're getting now standing ovations when a governor signs into a law allowing abortions to be done even up to the final minute. God help us. Because our, even our Declaration of Independence tells us that we have an un- unalienable rights. God-given rights, and the first one is life. We've got to get out there and get the good news of Jesus Christ out because this world is going to hell. Because we're not doing our jobs. We're not doing what Christ has given us to do. Where is the outrage? Where have we gone wrong? that we've gone wrong by not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We are to go. We are to make disciples. We are to baptize. And then we are meant to mentor them the Word of God. So I ask you, we all need to be more obedient. I need to be more obedient. Do you need to be more obedient? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God help us all. I come before you and say and give to you that I have not been doing what I need to be doing. And I pray that, oh God, you will give all of us opportunity to be your witness Help us to take somebody under our wing and train them and teach them and guide them and direct them to go out and do the same thing. Father, give us the passion for souls. Give us a passion to live our lives for you. And Father, there may be somebody in this auditorium that has never accepted you as their own personal Lord and Savior. But before they leave this church today, I pray that they will come and talk to me so that I can show them the wonderful, great, good news of you. Help us all, O God. Remind us of the things that we need to do. And give us the strength, give us the courage, and give us the power to do these things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.